Hum jumbo, see jumbo leo. So, I got something special to say. And hopefully I can keep my composure throughout this entire podcast because today is August 16th and it is my mom's birthday. And so I did a entire celebration of releasing her and really to feel like she's been trapped for 14 years. So let me take you a little bit back. I lost my mom when I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade and I was about 14 years old. Yeah. And uh, I think that time it was pretty hard. But I do want this podcast episode to be more uplifting. I just need to put the context in it. And being 14 years old and hearing the news after my brother and I, Steve, we took a trip down memory lane. He and I would walk our old neighborhood streets and reminisce talking about, ooh, do you remember when we stayed over here? Do you remember what we used to do? Oh, what about this? And I remember the very day that we got the news, my brother and I walked from Maple Heights to Broadway to I have maybe believe East Cleveland to Pepper and then we walked all the way back and we reminisced about who we were and what were the things that were going on but most importantly how our mom made us feel and even though we were in foster care we still had that connection to her and we still had hope that one day we'll be going home and when we walked in the house we were taking off our stuff and we got the worst news and I remember I shedded three tears and I got up and I walked downstairs to comfort my brother to ensure that he was emotionally stable because we still had to get up and go to school the next day. We had to pretend to be strong. We had to put on a brave face. And for me, I felt like it was easier. I felt like it was easier for me 
to suppress my emotions and to care about my brother's emotions and my brother's thoughts over my own. And although I was 14 years old and I knew that I had to wake up and still live life and come home and not get the phone call from my mom like clockwork like normal routine for her to ask me about my day processing that as a 14 year old girl (laughs) that's difficult it was difficult And then feeling like I couldn't even express my emotions. I had to suppress them so that my brother could release his. And so that my brother could open up and express what he was thinking Because at that time, you know, he was a freshman in high school and his thoughts immediately went to, oh, well, I'm going to give up. What's the point? And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, um, we are not quitters. We are going to tough this out. We've been in foster care for some years now. It was literally like five years. And I gave him a pet dog and was like, yo, mommy definitely laid down the foundation for us. And it takes us to go back and remember all of the lessons, you know, the mom proverbs or mom proverbs. I don't know how I'm going to say it, but mom I'll get the questions. It's the proverbs. Proverbs. You know how you read like an African proverb. But I'm going to like twist it up. I'm going to say like something with mom in it. Just give me some time. I'm going to practice it because I had it earlier today. And then I lost it. But I basically told him like mommy set the foundation. And even though it was sad, you know, it was heartbreaking to be so young and for this to happen. And we really had faith and hope. And for me personally, I always kept my cards. And one card particularly for my 12th birthday she wanted to, my mom wanted to say something to me and she ended her sentence, mid-sentence. I wish I could, and she let it go. And so for me, it's remembering that she left the earth without realizing the gems. And the foundation and the structure 
that she laid. Because while we can say all of these things that might go against, you know, I don't know, some of the bad things that she's done, right? That goes against what I'm speaking about and how she was so loving and caring. And when you see her in a different light and someone else frames it, you might look at it and see a different image of my mom than I do or like my brother do or my sister or my auntie. And then you have to piece all these things together. And she laid a strong structure and foundation for any and everyone she touched. So when I was giving my brother this pep talk, I know that I had to embody the strength that my mom gave to me. And so this podcast episode is just to remind myself that I am powerful because my mother was powerful. I am resilient because my mother was resilient. I am creative because my mother was creative. I am outspoken because my mother was outspoken. And I am proud to be who I am because my mom went through the struggles and the pain for me to be who I am. She endured that pain. And that suffrage in order for me to have lived a, well, dare I say it, sheltered life, you know? Um, I didn't have as much pain and suffering as her, but I did have my own emotional barriers that prevented me from growth. And I had to deal with that and take ownership of it and then look at, you know, the stories that I get told from the different perspectives of people who interact with my mom differently than how I interacted with my mom. And to hear these stories and to know that this is how she interacted with you individually and that's okay. Because when I start to hear these stories, a repeating pattern comes up about trauma and pain. And for me, I have always talked about, yes, I have emotional trauma. I have pain. But for me, I also had an escape to release, to expel. I wrapped my pain into pretty poems, into amazing letters that got sent out to some people. So, you know, if you got that letter, that was how I was feeling back in 2016. I poured it out, but 
I was able to release. I was able to go through the steps and figure out that I'm not supposed to belong in certain spaces. And I'm not supposed to have these connections with certain people. And I strongly believe if my mom had that release of her pain and trauma, she would have been even more spectacular. (laughs) Y'all, this is a very hard podcast to make because... Like I said, it's her birthday, and I really felt like I released her, and I feel a strong connection, and within these 14 years, I don't feel like I had my emotional release from my mom and what happened to her until today I'm finally able to speak about my emotional pain going back to me being 14 losing my mom and having to suppress that emotion for so long I feel like I have suppressed the way that I have felt about losing her for 14 years. I have masked masked it with my educational goals. I think that was primarily it. Like, (laughs) my ambition... (laughs) So it was me suppressing this emotion so that I can live my day-to-day. I can go to college. I can sit in these seats. I can do the work. I can get my degree. I can go to work. I can interact with people. I can smile. But not really dealing with the pain that comes along with losing your mom at such a pivotal age of like development oh so today tonight I lit my candles I spoke to my sister And my sister and I filled her urn. We have six individual urns and then I had to buy a big one. And I was the one that broke the bag open and filled the urns. And as I was doing so, right, I'm thinking to myself, why... My mom. I have never asked that. I don't think my emotions 
allowed me to feel the pain to ask that question to myself before. Why did my mom get picked after five years of being in foster care? Why did my mom get chosen to test me and my family's faith, my family's strength? Why was it my mom? And now I feel that I have the emotions and the the capacity to express that yes, it was my mom that was chosen and my family that was selected to show how strong and resistant resilient we are and to really show that my mother my mother through all of her pain and all of her trauma all of the bad judgment still laid the foundation for me to succeed and my test was to be separated from my mom very early 10 years old and for me to see her go through the pain of life watching her health dwindle away and then losing her when I knew that we were going home and it was so soon I could feel it only to have gotten the shocking news right that that will never happen and then to wonder wow um Where do I go from here? And stepping every single day closer to this vision that she, my mother, spoke into my life. That she knew, that she prophesied before I knew my own vision and and goals and aspiration and what path I was headed to and on and for her to tell me and express it to me in so many ways and I believed that she had a gift to express it to many people to all people but it was it's us that has to take these gems that people hand out to us and in our journeys figure out how these pieces make sense because she gave me what I needed the foundation the strength the structure and it's as if I wanted to hide certain pieces and glorify and uplift the other ones and feel like 
Oh, I'm good. Like, I can make this happen. I can do all these things. But still feeling as if I'm not whole because I wasn't considering. I wasn't using all of the pieces. Especially the pieces that my mom gave to me. Ah. Now I feel like I can truly release and be honest. I can really release and just be honest that I struggled because I didn't use those pieces. I didn't use the structure. I strayed away from what principles she taught me. And although I didn't stray too far, because I still remember the core values that I had, I can officially say that I was and still am affected by the emotional trauma that my mom faced and was not able to release. I'm still affected by it. But now I'm doing the work to overcome it and still get through it and live the life that I was meant to have. Ooh, y'all, I am getting so many. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... I don't think I'm going to edit this podcast. So you're going to hear a lot of um, like pauses and, and breaths and things like that because I'm just releasing. And I'm allowing my mom to also release and be free. Her spirit to be free. To be alive again. To be joyous. So. Let's switch this. uh, Switch. And lighten it up some. So I wanted to share some of my. um, Memories. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy. Let me try to remember some really good ones. Um, Some funny ones too. Because. (laughs) Ah, she was definitely a funny, funny, funny woman. <laughs> um, she loved to laugh. And um, if you know me, um, I have probably told you my name is Lolo. And Lolo, not Lola. Low, low, down to the flow, flow. Say what? Get, okay, so anyways, <laughs> um, and the funny story is that that was my mom's nickname, and the only reason why is because um, they were always put on, like, it's time for the percolator. If you, if you from that generation, and you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that was the song, everybody hitting that percolator. <laughs> like, let me tell you, so she would try this so bad every trip and she knew what the business was she knew she couldn't get back up 
Like she would go low. Low, low to the flow, flow. And knowing dang well she couldn't get back up. She knows she had those bad knees. And she would definitely let it be known that she had those bad knees. And um, it would just be funny because of that. <laughs> oh, okay. And I also remember um, her being so generous. So I was just, you know, talking to my grandmother today. Yay! And there were so many details that I remember. Even though I was so young, I still remember. My mom took in um, some friends of my siblings. I'm like, why? You know, because I'm so young. I'm like, why do they need to stay here? <laughs> you know, we already have a big family. And um, she would be generous because these these youth were homeless, basically. And their parents gave up. Don't know what happened to them. And so she would just make sure that these teenagers were safe. They had a place to go to. They had someone to talk to. And she opened up her house to save them, basically. And I think it was not just one. Because when we entered into foster care, she was still meeting people who needed to be saved from the streets. And for the most part, she was there to assist. Yeah. That's a little touching story about my mother, Lolo. Um, I wish I got some stories from my, my sister before having one is, but I remember, I tell this all the time, like when I say that I'm strong, yo, it's definitely because my mom, you know, did some stuff, but this it's funny. It is. It's funny. But um, my mom... My brother was teaching me how to box. And he would go up to Thurgood to take his lessons and stuff like that. And um, come back and try to teach us what he learned. And so he was basically teaching me the fundamentals of boxing. And I was like, oh, cool. I felt like I was super tough, y'all. I was tough. I was. And, um... I don't know what was going on this night. I don't, I just, I don't know what was happening. But I got into like this little boxing um, match with my mom. And, you know, everything was going all good until she punched me in the gut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was not, it's not like that bad, right? It was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> it literally shocked me because I was not prepared. Um, <laughs> I was not prepared for her to go bam, and um, yeah, I, I just was like, I'm, I'm done now. Like it's over with. <laughs> like <laughs> I am off of this game, out of it. Like let me walk away now. But. 
Yeah, that definitely taught me how to be tough. Shoot, hitting, boom, right in the guts. I was like, that's not even, that's not even the right move. Like, you know, that's not it. My best memories is, whew, why I love seafood so, so much. So, so much. Like, I have a connection to seafood because I would wake up in the middle of the night. I did not like to sleep by myself. I always needed somebody to sleep by me. And so I would, you know, sleep with my siblings. But if I woke up and my mom was up, she would be in there eating all type of seafood. And luckily she shared because I was definitely asking. (laughs) Yes, she knew. For sure she knew that I was going to ask for some seafood. So... I really, really like seafood because it reminds me of the times that I would wake up in the middle of the night and I was able to connect with my mom. And although I wasn't really talking about all the things that I would probably talk about as a teenager, I was still in a space of just being with her and being comfortable and open just watching TV eating our favorite food (laughs) exciting yeah oh I remember She used to hide underneath her bed because every single day, I used to be so obsessed with the movie, The Low Down Dirty Shame. Oh my god, I had to watch this movie every single day, y'all. Like, man, this was like my favorite movie. Okay. I would have to watch it every... And I would be paying attention to every detail. Not gonna joke. But... I would literally go find... This is about to show the age, y'all. The tape. You have to do the VCR. And you have to uh, put it in the VCR. And like watch your movie. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go... You know, search for this tape. And I will always find it. And I would sit there and watch it with my cat. And sometimes we would be eating our cereal. Like I would make my cat um, its own bowl of cereal. And then I would eat my bowl of cereal. And then like my mom would periodically come and check on me. But she did not like to watch this movie with me every single day. She definitely, this was before I got into preschool. And so um, I would be bored at home. Like, I got siblings, right? You just mess with your siblings all day long. I would get up super early. And I'm like, where y'all going? Oh, y'all off to school again? And I would, 
play with them so much before they left out the house. And um, then I would turn on, you know, low down dirty shame because I got to watch it. And she would just be like, I do not want to watch this. I don't. I'm going to go make myself busy (laughs) at this time. (laughs) Because I promise you I would sit there and be so glued to the TV. Um, yeah, she could do whatever, and I would be so invested in watching this movie. Um, dang, I loved that movie, it was so awesome. Anyways, let me think of another one. Man, I remember, and when I tell you all this, I'm like, my mom made things happen. She definitely, she stood for what she believed in, and she was going to make something happen. She's making something shake. You know what I mean? We, when you have visitations, normally it was in the uh, big room with all the other kids, and typically you hear a lot of noise. Sometimes you can't focus. You just got a lot of kids running around sometimes. The kids want to go play with other kids. You got a lot of stuff going on. And that was how we would visit, basically. With a whole bunch of other kids inside the room. I don't know what my mama did. But she got us out of that room. And into our own individual... (laughs) Our own individual room. Where she would buy... Food, drinks, all the good stuff. And even bought cameras and stuff like that to take pictures. And it was literally just us inside this room. (laughs) We had a refrigerator in there and everything. And I'm like, looking back on this, like, she definitely swindled her way into getting what she needed. And what she felt like she deserved. And she felt like she deserved privacy. And that's what she got. (laughs) We definitely had privacy inside our visitations. And that was not given to everybody. Because when you're visiting your family and you're in foster care, it's, I mean, you want your privacy. You want to just hang out with your family. You want to be connected with your family and just be real. You don't want to watch your mouth. You don't, I mean, we did have to watch our mouth a little bit, but you want to be loud. You want to be, you want to be joyous. You want to be happy. And when we got our own individual space in in private, you couldn't tell us nothing. Like, we definitely showed our personality. We definitely was able to do more things and just talk more freely. But, yo, yeah, she definitely she demanded um what she wanted and I think it was more so because she felt in certain phases of her life that she wasn't able to speak up and so she took ownership of her voice and commanded that you would listen instead of being so timid and now that I think about that I'm like wow Oh, that's an awesome trait. Like, my mom was awesome for that. I need to get some of that. Like, 
sometimes I be walking around so timid and she are she already displayed what it's supposed to look like. She gave me that you know what I mean? She gave me this. She laid it out. This is what you do and I'm like, Okay, I'ma just be, you know, over here but yeah, she she took ownership of her voice and she was beginning to take ownership of her story. And unfortunately, of course, she did not get the opportunity and she did drop that bug in my ear. Y'all, I'm about to, okay, I'm not going to spell the beings, but, <laughs> but, um, she put a bug in my ear. She basically said when I first got into foster care, hey, can you tell our story? And I was like, ma, No. Uh uh-uh. I am scared to get on the news and tell everybody like look at me I'm the foster kid like don't nobody want to no I don't want to do that don't nobody want that type of life and um I was like I'm not ready and I think when she passed away this is me telling you how many gems she really dropped because when she passed away and because she told me she was coming to my track meet. Let me let me pause. Let me go back. She told me she was coming to my track meet, right? And so when I felt like she wasn't going to have the opportunity, um, I got discouraged. And I quit. But I turned into a speaker, a public speaker for telling our story. So I started to ask questions like, yo, why am I in foster care? Why is it taking so long for me to go home? What's up? Like, y'all said that we we had home visitations. That's the next step to putting you back inside the house. We were here every single weekend. What's really going on? So it made me question things a lot more and really start to investigate, like, what's going on with my case? And at that time... That was when my mama's, um, you know, gems started dropping in to my left. Was like, this is where you're supposed to be. This is who you're supposed to be. Now do it. And when I became a teenager and I lost my mom, I found uh, mentors who were 10 years older than me. So they were so close to me, like closer in my age, that they could have been a big sister, right? But wise enough to be my mom, motherly figure. And so I'm like, yo, I just want to, I want to tell my mom's story. Because I don't really have a story to tell. My story is my mom's story. So I'm asking people questions. And I'm going through it and I'm speaking on panels and people are asking like, well, why did you get in foster care? What was the story? What's going on? What's behind the scenes? And I was, you know, primarily speaking about like, I really don't have all the answers because I didn't have all the answers at first. And now that I am in my 20s, I can now piece together the full story and now I can understand that my mom made certain decisions that weren't for the best judgment because some of the decisions were made out of pain and 
out of that trauma and out of those traumatic experiences that she's had that she's never gotten to release. And so my narrative that I speak about now is to tell people and myself included because I listen to my podcast episodes like, oh, you are an amazing woman, like listen to you. But healing the trauma from whatever my mom and my grandmother went through and to give them grace because I give myself grace every day. I got to I got to wipe my pride to the side and push it to the side and give my ego another look like, yo, check your ego, check yourself, humble yourself, apologize to your daughters. You have to maintain your emotions. You have to understand why you're feeling this way before just going off. Look at the entire situation. Pull back some a little bit. But I give myself grace about how I behave. And I reflect on my own emotions. And if I can do that for myself, I can extend that grace to my mom who's never been able to release her own emotional pain. And I can also extend that to my grandmother, who's never been able to release her own emotional pain. And although I don't know every story, every trauma or traumatic event or issue that my family and all the women in my family have gone through, I don't need that information, but I can be the one who stops the generational curses and say it ends and it stops with me and do my best at healing whatever emotional trauma and and pain that is trapped within my DNA that was passed down. Because all of those emotions and, and feelings They're not just something that that is reactionary in a moment. Those things get passed down generationally. Emotional traumas get embedded into our DNA. And I wrote it inside of a poem before. And it was basically saying that I'm trying to change myself. I'm trying to be different. But something is tying me back to the trauma that is my within my blood, the trauma that is in my DNA, that is embedded in me because I watched it. I I felt it. I've felt it through my mom and I feel it through the women that I am connected with, especially if they have not healed from that pain. And as they speak, you can hear that trauma come through. And if you're like myself who take someone else's experiences and you reflect on it as if it's your own and you do what you need to do with that information. And sometimes I'm like, ooh, I give it back. I don't want it. I don't want it. And other times it's to understand the person understand their situation and why they made certain decisions and then the other piece is to have an emotional connection to their 
authentic self aside from their trauma. So I must hear it. I, I got to hear your pain in order to know that sometimes you speak from that space, but that's not you. That's not your authentic self. That is you and the unhealed part of you. That part that was damaged, that part that died because someone took your innocence, that part that unfortunately was taken from so many, can be boys or girls, but taken from us, that innocence, that will to make decisions because, you know, our decisions and to say no, right, was taken away from us because somebody else said yes. So now I can extend my grace to all those who act out of that space of trauma and abuse and anger because I understand where it's coming from. I'm not saying that I'm going to let you beat up me in the face or, or stuck me down to the ground or, or something. I'm not letting you beat up on me. No. But when I hear the pain, I recognize it. And then I differentiate that pain from how I see you in other spaces and in other emotions. And then how you correct that too. So do you apologize? And for my mom, I extend her the grace because she was never able to officially say what she, say to me what she wished that she wanted to say. And in that space where she was writing my birthday card and she really wanted to tell me so many things, what she didn't want to do was lie. So she stopped herself. But had she continued, she would have been completely honest. It just would have been more painful because she would have been expressing the pain that she felt being disconnected from her children and not being able to stand up and raise us because that's difficult not to raise your own children and to look at their face and to have given them promises that they would come home and to have the faith that, that they would come home. And so when she's writing his birthday card, she stops because she doesn't want to lie and then it's too painful for her to express the truth. So I give myself grace, I give my mom grace, and I give the grace to my grandmother and my auntie and my sister to know that we've made mistakes as well as anybody else, but when we are able to own those mistakes and say, yes, I did this, and this is how I am changing it, that's all, that's it, that's the end of it. This is how I am changing it. So, I am going to leave off this podcast and say that I am changing the image of 
the women in my family. I am changing the narrative of the women in my family. I am speaking about our story. It involves not only me going through foster care and losing my mom, my rock. It's also about my mom's story of being abused and manipulated. But laying a foundation for me to come out with graduating from college, three degrees, a business, a mom who starts to slow to anger, think before reacting, and really using some of the principles that she taught me of looking myself in the mirror and saying what I need to say as a prep talk, and then probably coming up to my daughters and say like, yo, what do we do when we're talking? And instilling that discipline that she taught me, which is looking somebody in the face. You about to stand still and you about to look me in the face. And giving that structure to my daughters, like I'm not I'm not talking to you right on the side of me. I'm talking to you face to face. Because when you do something wrong, you gonna own up to it. And I am changing that because I'm owning what I do. I'm owning my own emotions. And if I feel sad, yo, I'm sad. And I have the right to be sad. And I want to cry, I'm going to cry. And I have the right to cry. If I want to sniffle, boo-hoo, ugly cry, I can. And if I want to laugh right after, I can do that too. But I'm giving myself permission to be fully me. The me that only mother could see. Y'all, I'm about to start doing my poem. Listen, I think I had a fear. And y'all, I, I know I can talk. <laughs> this is the last thing because I know I'm going I'm to keep going on and on and on. But I went through a phase of um, writing poems. And I never released them or even thought (laughs) I mean I had the thought to release them and to do projects but I never really like threw myself into that space to do it because I was being timid and emotionally um insecure uh no someone else told me that I'm not going to use that word so emotionally disconnected like I put a lot of feelings and emotions in certain poems And I wanted to emotionally detach myself from these because as I, as I started doing the projects, what would happen is I could speak it on a stage, but the reflection time for me, I would go back and be like crying on my floor and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have those emotions where I'm crying, right? But now I'm like, if I do that, I'm releasing what I need to release. And I wrote these poems for a reason. And there are people who need to be connected by my words, by my experiences. And so I give myself permission to be me. 
the me that my mother sings before I seen it. So, I dedicate this podcast episode to my mother, Sharonda Rochelle Swanson, aka Miss Lolo, down to the flow flow, yo. Um, <laughs> oh, y'all, I'm about to go to sleep because I definitely, I, I would talk your ear off. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so good night because it is late and I do have to get up. But if you enjoyed this podcast episode, um, we will still talk about foster care things, especially, oh man, I just got some disturbing news that I want to mention. I want to talk about this because it, it seems like it's about to get swept underneath the rug, right? So I want to mention this. I want to talk about it. I want to bring it to the forefront. I want to ask questions. And so we still are talking about foster care things, but we're also talking about you know, going through our traumas and understanding that pain. So we're discussing what that trauma is, where did it come from, who gave it to us, who inflicted us with their pain, what did we take on, and then how do we release it? How do we learn to let go? How do we learn to smile again authentically? How do we learn to say it's okay to cry how do we learn to be fully okay with all the emotions that we have and to express those things and if this is a podcast for you where you want to know stay tuned thank you so much for listening like us on Instagram, come over, come on in and say something to us. We waiting for you in the comments. I'm a click back. You can DM me as well as being over on Facebook. I'll talk to y'all later. Love.